calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time for the Life Writing Podcast with your hosts, authors and screenwriters Stephen Barnes and Tanana Reeve Du. All about creating the project of your dreams while living a balanced artist's life. Be the hero or heroine of your own story. Sponsored by LifeWritingPremium.com. Get ready to write for your life. Welcome to the Life Writing Podcast, where married authors and screenwriters Stephen Barnes and Tanana Reeve do talk about writing during stressful times, breaking into Hollywood, and balancing life. Every week, we'll share more tips on how to build a better life while you create your dream projects. Even if it's only at the rate of one sentence a day. Life writing is the application of the tools of writing to life and the tools of life to your writing. Hey, oh, here we are. <laughs> How are you, darling? I'm doing great, honey. How are you? I'm doing great because we have such an amazing... I know we say it's such, so repetitive. We say every week. How well, I mean, I think this, this bears witness to the fact that we know a lot of very kind, very wonderful, and knowledgeable people who are willing to share what they have learned with those who come after. I mean, that is that is the path of mastery. You yes. constantly work, you constantly learn, you constantly teach and, and help and to, those behind you. And all guest, we're doing is, oh, is ta- tapping sorry, into that. I'm sorry, honey. I was it's okay. over you press talk, but I'm just so excited because our guest today is Wynn Rosenfeld, the president of Monkey Paw Productions. That is Jordan Peele's production company, celebrating its 10 years. And Wynn is also the, well, I'm not going to do his bio now, but I'm just super excited he's here and he'll be coming on in just a few minutes. But first, we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on in our world. Well, oh, you, you got to let the theme music play. <laughs> Come on, it's always a celebration over here. So can I start? Because I, I had a Yes, yeah, so you go ahead and start because you're you're eager to start. 
I had a very exciting experience last night. I went to the premiere for Wakanda Forever. Anthony Bresnikan, who's at Vanity Fair, who also invited me as his plus one to see the original Black Panther, invited me to come see Wakanda Forever. And it was a star-studded event. It was, I I, I got to, I saw Tessa Thompson in the bathroom. <laughs> the thing is, they take your phones, though. Did it really happen if you don't have a selfie? That's the question. Was it an actual thing if there's no selfie to prove it? But I had a I had a blast and I'm not going to talk about the movie at all. We'll probably dedicate a whole podcast to that later. But I was just so excited to be able to go. That's great. I'm envious. I would have been delighted to be there, but I didn't get to go because I'm not living that Hollywood glamour life that my my good lady <laughs> wife is experiencing. And it's just like, <laughs> but, oh, you were missed. Definitely. Yeah, that's fine. So there's a lot of hurry up and wait. You know, with bunches of projects that we have in different places. So I am working on a couple of short stories. I'm working on turning one short story into a short film. And I'm also, I, I purchased a couple of audio books that I'm going to use as background information to research on another project that I need to do. The next novel that I want to write. I'm, I'm working on a go. novel. With uh, with Larry Niven, and I'm really delighted that he's engaged fully. That he he's really on board with this, and that that makes my heart very very happy. But I need to work on my own private stuff too, and I made myself yes, a promise did. that that you know sentence a day thing that we talk about that I'm going to do it with my own personal work. So that way, no matter how busy I get, or if I have to spend a lot of time working on the business. As opposed to the writing during these waiting periods, I'm always moving forward with something that touches my heart and, and always learning how to tap more deeply into my personal concerns. I, you know, I, I've been talking the last few weeks about that a lot because it's genuinely something that I'm studying in, in your work, too. Well, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's just like we have skills that overlap, but are not yes. completely congruent. You've got things to teach me. I have things to teach you. Absolutely. And the emotional core of your work is one of the things that I think people respond to in a really beautiful way. So it, you know, it'd be smart of me to empty my cup and see, what can I learn here? So there is, there is some of that going on. Other than that, it's just, you know, raising Jason and working out and creating the online Tai Chi class. We just got finished putting up the our online soulmate workshop at soulmateprocess.com. And we're just in the midst of life in this beautiful new house and, you know, a beautiful new life with my wonderful family. And I'm happy because Sunday I get to go down and see my daughter. Yeah, you go. Well, speaking of collaborating, I to, I was covering zombies and my my sunken place black horror class at UCLA today. So I, I had had them watch Night of the Living Dead, The Girl with All the Gifts. But we do an in class viewing of our first short film, Danger Word, starring Frankie Faison and Saoirse Scott. Cool. And it's coming up on ten years since we made that, which is literally scary. But as I was watching it with a little more emotional distance, you know, not as one of the filmmakers or writers, I was like, you know, that's not a bad little zombie movie. And it's available for free, people, out on YouTube at www.dangerwordfilm.com because we sold the original domain. I, I don't know who has it, but now it's at dangerwordfilm.com. So check that out. It's only 18 minutes long, but we actually kind of brought it for that little movie, honey. It's true. And I think that maybe it's time for us to make another one. Hey, shut um, the hell you is. know, and I think that uh, we can when I get finished with my draft on Mummy Dearest, 
you can take a look at it and see whether or not that feels like something you could invest yourself in. Well, you, know, you have a director interested in that. Well, you know, we'll see. Talk is cheap. You know, we'll, uh, we'll, okay. we'll see. Okay. Well, anyway, no, uh, well, let's bring on our guests, I say, because we don't want to keep Wynn waiting too long. He's the Absolutely not. very important production company, after all. So when Rosenfeld is a writer, producer, president of Monkey Paw, he oversees the company's diverse slate of films and television productions, executive producer of Lovecraft Country, The Twilight Zone, Hunters. He's a producer on Monkey Candyman. This is an older bio, I see, because it says upcoming. But he actually co-wrote. Candyman, along with Jordan Peele and the film's director, Nia DaCosta. Prior to joining Monkey Paw, he produced digital, social, and broadcast content for outlets, including NBC, Slate, NPR, and edited an Emmy award-winning segment, PBS, one of our absolute favorite people, Win Rosenfeld. Yay! I'm going to ask him to unmute. I'm going to hang up his video. Wow. Yeah, right? Oh, this is oh. a big... You didn't oh. know we had a studio audience. No. <laughs> How you doing, buddy? Good. I feel like at Monty Hall or something. Is that a fresh reference? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Enough for Come, me. On. Come on down. No, oh, that's Bob Barker. Bob Barker. Anyway. That's what I was thinking about. I was thinking Bob Barker. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm, I'm, I'm always delighted to, to speak with you guys. We've been, you know, very fortunate over the past couple of years to be able to have sort of regular check-ins with you, you know, just sort of talking about life and Hollywood and writing. And I can't believe that it's already Monkey Paw's 10-year anniversary. So that's what I want to start with, because I'm like, did you envision the place in cinematic history that the company has now? Because, wow, how how could you? But did you? No, not at all. I mean, I think, you know, the, 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 the vision sort of at the core of the, the monkey paw experiment has always been this notion that audiences want to be challenged, that they want to be provoked, that we can blend quite comfortably the the, the the borders between genre and comedy and horror and science fiction and that people would show up for it even if it's something that's a little hard to log line or something for which there's no precedent and you know that that vision very much comes from from Jordan from the outset to say that you know on one level of course though you're trying to entertain yourself you know with these things you're trying to find what are the things that we like what do we want to what we what do we want to watch what do we feel is missing out there and you know, I, I consider myself very, very fortunate to be part of this, and and am d- deeply humbled and surprised every every morning I wake up that it's actually is what it is. You know, everything I hear about Jordan suggests that he is very canny about his business choices, which means, which implies that he was very canny in picking you to run his company. It wasn't just a matter of an old college buddy. It was somebody who he felt was on the same page as him in a number of different ways. And it speaks to your creativity, who you are, separate from the monkey paw experience and separate from Jordan, who's obviously a creative volcano. I'm very interested in you and your approach to creativity, your approach to writing. You know, how do you enter into that world? Because you balance that with running a business. You, you do the, the purely creative aspect, but you also do the producing aspect and running a production company. Those, in some ways, are two different parts of the human personality. How do you keep these things balanced? 
very different parts too. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a great question. And I, 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 the answer is a little, maybe a little counterintuitive in that for me, I think of all of my work as storytelling on some level, you know, even a business choice, right. is ultimately does this story make sense? You know, is it, is this thing adding up, you know, and a lot of what happens in Hollywood from the, from the business perspective is, you know, people are, there's a lot of sales, right? So people are very enthusiastically trying to convince you to do things. And I think that part of the part of my brain that goes through a four act structure or three act structure or an outline of, of a screenplay or a pilot is actually not all that different from evaluating a business decision is really taking a deep breath a little bit and looking at the underpinnings of it and saying, does this, does this make sense? Are people going to show up for this? What's the promise of this film? What's the, what's the promise of this, of this uh, other business acquisition? What does it mean to us in two years? What does it mean in five years? What does it mean in 10 years? And so I, I sort of take that approach to basically everything except for Parenthood, which is more just like herding cats, and that is the chaos in my life. And uh, you know, I. <laughs> How many kids do you have? Just one, but no. that she's plenty. Absolutely, <laughs> she, she know, contains multitudes. She you know, yes. multitudes. The my teaching pedagogy called life writing is specifically the application of Joseph Campbell's model of the hero's journey to planning your own life in advance, whether it's planning a story or planning the writing of a story or planning your life, I chose that because I felt that storytelling is a function of consciousness where we take disparate elements and we organize them into some emotionally significant matrix. So when you talk about business decisions being story and writing being story, and I would say absolutely raising a child is story, but an awful lot of it is just the road of trials. It's just dealing with things as they come up. It is in understanding that the end point is to deliver them safely to their own adulthood. Yeah. That, that along the way, it's going to be a carnival ride. And it's mm -hmm. one of it's the most beautiful ride I have ever been on in my life. But I, it, it begs the question, can you, in a simple way, define for us what you believe a story is? What is story to you? Oh, that's such Tough a great question. question. Tough, it's tough, a great, tough. it's a great question though. And it's funny because it's like, it's all we think about all day long around here, but it's quite, it's quite elusive, which is why, by the way, I'm not, I'm, by the way, I'm not ducking your question here, no, I didn't think Steve, you would. but I will say, I, I will say this. It's a hard, it's hard. It, 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 this is why so many stories don't work, right? Is because it is very hard to understand what makes a story a story. I think there's a, you know, you could boil it down to a lot of things, right? There are questions about structure and and character and reveals and twists. But I think that the best way to measure a story is by its effect on the audience or the reader. And the commonplace, the com the sort of the common thread I see between something that is a story is that it's a it's an it's an artwork that creates in a suspension of disbelief and a, a willingness to kind of go outside of their day-to-day -day life. 
So if I'm in a movie theater, I'm not in the movie theater. If I'm holding a book in my hands, I'm not sitting in my bed with a pen light, keeping my wife up all night. It is a, it's, I'm, I'm somewhere else. And I think that's even true for like thing, like, like stories I don't like, you know, it's like, I'm still sort of there in it one way or the other. So I don't know how else to measure it than, than that, because I feel like, you know, if I were to, you know, there's certainly like, I'm, by the way, I'm a, I'm a big Joseph Campbell devotee myself, but you know, I've heard lots of, there's, there's stories that break those rules too. And I, I'm far be it from me to be the guy who says. I, I would almost say that there are that following the rules is using a martial arts analogy. That's what Brown belts do. Black belts break the rules. Mm -hmm. Get in here. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, yes to all that. What is a story? It's like such a a difficult question to answer for me, even though it also seems simple. I was just breaking down the mechanics of a horror story to one of my UCLA students because I give non-writers the chance to write a short story or make a short film for credit. And I hate to call it a formula, but what works for me in terms of just the access to it is a premise that scares you. You know, mm-hmm. you, you want to delve into your real life fears. You want to create a protagonist. Maybe it's just a version of you. I mean, after all, isn't that what most of us are doing, right? You're mm-hmm. prot- especially for a learning writer, make it just you, a version of you who has either had a trauma or is or has made a transgression. Right. Because to me, trauma and transgression are two of the most common ways to enter a horror story, because the horror that unfolds, whatever the supernatural or human horror or psychological aspect of the horror is, it's almost as if that trauma or that transgression has opened the door to it. (laughs) Like, just let it wander in, even if it's indirect. And absolutely that, especially in horror, to me is part of that journey to creating a story and then just figure out like those, whether it's Campbell steps through the hero's journey or it's other approaches or just one step on the hero's journey, you know, just find that, that element that makes it real for you. And that's what helps engage that audience. See, to me, I agree. All that Joseph Campbell was doing was noting that there were all these famous stories that seemed to have a similar spine. And if you broaden it beyond what he was looking at, I mean, I, I grew up on Hong Kong and Japanese film. It's the same stuff, you know, and the question of can you have stories without conflict, without the hero's journey, to the degree that the hero's journey is talking about life. That there are things, there are, are, are battles that we will face. We have to make a decision to take steps. We We take actions every day and so forth and so on, to the degree that that is true, then all we as artists do is recombine those steps and and emphasize them in different patterns, different orders, with different intensities and different rhythms, and minimalize things, understand that people expect this to happen and use that expectation to take them in a different direction. That's the fun of it, is is taking the basic pieces and doing things in new ways. So absolutely, guys. Totally agree. I mean, there is a, there is, you know, there's something... I mean, I guess at the at the I guess the price of admission for a good story. Let's change to good story if you guys are okay with that. Please, it's a story, story. But I because like for me, it's like uh, the price the price of admission for a good story is I think what both of you are saying, which is essentially empathy. Is that you need to have some connect? You need to in some way have a proxy for yourself 
in 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 the store. It has to feel a part of you. If it's an aspirational you, if it's a you that you're afraid of, is it something to ground at the audience in a place where they feel like I this what happens to this person matters because on some hindbrain level, I don't want that to happen to me, or I do want that to happen to me. And uh, and what's so what's so fun about you know about working with different writers is to see how different people's processes are on this stuff. I mean, they come to it in so many different ways. You know, the, a lot of the best writers I know, you know, what we're talking about now is like the main thing they think about is like that starting with that way in on that character, who is that person getting that person right. And then who is the person that that person looks to for comfort or is afraid of, or is avoidant and letting the story kind of come from that. Um, my process actually, I I tend to jump. I I I tend to jump a little more quickly to nuts and bolts of story, of mechanic, of surprise. I think I get so I try to do both. The people who are really masters, right, can do everything, but I often find myself feeling like I can't really sit down and write something unless I kind because I know in my head I'm like, ooh, I'm gonna get you there. Ooh, I'm gonna get you there. Ooh, I'm gonna get you there. And no, sort of knowing where I'm I'm going in terms of the journey is more liberating for me personally. But there's other right, much stronger writers than myself who would be like, that's an absurd, absurd way to approach it. So I think the beauty about the writer's journey is like there's a lot of diversity in in how we can approach, you know, how we can approach it. And there's not one particular way in. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Yeah, I, if if there is a universal principle to art, it is that art is an attempt to induce an emotional response in the audience using the craft of your particular medium. Yeah, that that you feel an emotion, and what you desire is that the person who consumes, who sees this movie, or watches this show, or reads this book, when they close it or they walk out, they are feeling something that you felt when you created it using a succession of images or words or whatever to do that. And your craft 
You know, to, to that degree, a, a, a one-year-old kid who s- sticks their hands in the potty and smears it on the wall says, look at what I did, Daddy. That's art. That, that is art. It, 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 it may not be successful art. It may, may not be commercial art. <laughs> but it is an attempt to communicate an emotion, to say, I did this. I see this. I feel this. I experienced this. I was here. So, you know, it strikes me that, you know, you look at all the different art forms, which include being a parent is an art form. There are things that you want your child to feel about life, to feel about the way you feel about them. And you choreograph things to to create that. And to the degree that you can take joy in that, the the hardest parenting experience is a beautiful thing. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's funny, like, I just thinking about, you know, things I'm, I'm sort of, you know, horror in particular is one of those things where, you know, what's fun about it is I always notice new things in, in movies that I love, you know, the really good ones, like really, you know, you can watch it again and see something new in it. And, you know, you guys were talking about your, your own film and funny to look at something many years later and be like, oh, wow, we kind of figured something out there. Like, I've been really, one thing I've been noticing, I don't wonder if you guys notice this too, is like, very recently, like, I, the, the, like, a great, a, a great feature of a great horror is often the near miss of you almost didn't get killed. And you know what I mean? And, and how much are you, God, what, you know, it's kind of, by the way, what's underlying the notion of get out or don't run up the stairs or don't da, 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 or go left and go like so much of great horror is just these like near misses of just Oh, this is like this, this moment of leveraging, you know, of keeping your protagonist smart enough in that moment that it's not totally ungrounded and loses all credibility, but then to just make that error. And we're all just like, Oh God, I could have made that error too. Is that's my current, my, my current horror fetish is the science of near misses. And I think that mirrors too so much of how we feel in life. You know, how many times have we had situations where it's like, oh, if I had just turned left, yeah, I wouldn't have had that that crash. Or if I had just told someone something yep. that was bothering me, I, I I could have made a difference. You know, the way we blame ourselves when things go wrong, and and the near miss is definitely one of the most maddening aspects of trying to heal from a trauma because it yes. feels like oh it almost didn't happen you know yep. having a character who is intelligent but does not know enough to save themselves immediately you know the the question of how much can you withhold from the character but let the audience know that there's something wrong so that the audience is feeling dread i mean if the monster jumps out that's just surprise it's a moment of shock but if you if the audience hears the werewolf growl and our character is wandering through the hall trying to get a sandwich hello in the dead of night (laughs) yeah then we are afraid and we empathize with them and if we have seen that the werewolf is capable of actually killing real damage, then we are afraid for that person without feeling, that's so stupid. Why are they going to do that? Because they don't know they're in a horror movie. They have no idea they're in a horror movie. The audience knows. They don't. But how do you how do you keep from walking across that line to the point where the character is doing things and the audience is saying, I would never do that. And they check out. How do you keep them from checking out? No, I mean, I think there's a thing. I mean, I think part of it is just being aware as a writer, right? Like there's like this ring, there's like, I think it's like keeping, and this is one of the things, one of the things I think that Jordan does really well, but by the way, you know, Kubrick does this really well and Spielberg does this really well. And Hitchcock, maybe the master is that. Yes. Hitchcock. There's like this range, right. Of where we can, a protagonist can be aligned with us as the audience. 
And the real, like the, the real key is understanding, I think when they're a little ahead of you and the catharsis of that, of, Oh, she knew all along. Oh, and, and when they're a little behind and we're like, no, 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 no. And making sure that you're, you know, so they try to keep it within conscious of what, of how much do I now on page 10, how much more do I know or how much less do I know than the protagonist? Okay. What about page 20? And it can change throughout the course of a good movie, but I think you you get into trouble. I think when you go way, way on one end or the other, where you're sitting up and waiting, I know what's happening. I know what's going on. When is this person going to catch up for too long or vice versa? When it feels like deus ex machina and it's like, okay, well, I didn't, she knew everything. What am I even, what am I even watching this for? Yeah, so, it's a, it's like mindfulness or something. Mm-hmm. Keeping a viewer on the hook has so much to do with that internal integrity and realist psychology for the, for the yes. characters. Right. It's yes. because, yeah, I will check the hell out. I mm-hmm. mean, you might get one dumb thing. I got every, we all do dumb things and every protagonist will get one dumb thing, but two is author convenience. And that's just lazy storytelling and I'm done. I'm not going to be manipulated. I want to be on a journey. I want to be pulled on a journey, not pushed on a journey. Right, one of the best it. movies in doing that was Alien. Because mm-hmm. everybody in the audience knows you do not let a, an infected human being back into the ship. So true. If they had been scientists, you'd get a Prometheus effect where everybody checks out because the people are doing stupid stuff. Mm-hmm. In Alien, they were not scientists. They were just truck drivers. Yeah. And the science officer who should have protected them was actually a robot who betrayed them because the company was using them as guinea pigs. Once you understand that, then their apparently stupid decisions are simply ignorance. Anybody might have made those decisions. It's like you, you they literally didn't know where they were or what they were doing and what they were up against. And that fear went from the first frame to the last frame in that movie. It's um, wonderful. It's one of the best sustained examples of suspense I have ever seen in my life. It's 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 such an incredible film for that's so well said, Steve. I mean, I, I that that movie, and I think about that 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 dinner scene all the time where they go back and 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 they're they're eating, and it is just one of the most palpable. And the other thing that is so genius about it is that we as an audience are conscious of runtime. We know this movie ain't over. We know it. <laughs> right. <laughs> we know it's not over. And we're at this table and we're watching this sort of uneasy warmth. Is it relaxation? Is it, ooh, we've gotten out of it. And we're just the right amount ahead of them because we have the luxury of knowing that there's another hour of the movie to come. But also to say that's not how, that that's... <laughs> <laughs> that that we don't we didn't see a corpse on that thing you know we know that there's something else is coming here and uh, i i just i think about that scene all the time and and that movie all the time because because of that so fun and this is so great because this is our last episode airing before halloween so i love that we're talking oh. so much about our favorite horror movie moments but i have to as an observer as a creator and as a, a fan return to to monkey paw Just because the impact of the company has been so broad, and I'm sure you understand in many ways how broad that impact has been, not just in bringing so so much attention to Black horror 
and opening doors for Black horror creators, whether that you're literally opening that door yourself, you know, like with Ania DaCosta directing Candyman, or it's just giving Hollywood a vocabulary to embrace not only Black horror, but all marginalized horror, queer horror, indigenous horror. I was just in a New York Times Twitter conversation this morning where the editors of the, at the New York Times Book Review who do horror say so many of their pitches are, get out meets this, get out meets that. And I was like, really? In publishing too? I know it's true in film. So yeah. that alone, but the, the sustained momentum of Monkey Paw has just been so incredible. And I, I want to really thank you, first of all, for that, you and your company, for everything that, that you've done in that direction. But I'm also wondering, you know, when you first started out, what was your early reception like? Did you have trouble getting taken seriously? What was How different was the landscape 10 years ago? And what was the corporate mission? You, you, I know that Monkey Paw has a mission. There's a there's a core philosophy that is going on there. And I would love for you to state that and then give us some insight about how you felt and experienced those early days. Well, I think it's, first of all, thank you. That's very kind. And, and, um, and you know, I take none of it, none of it for granted. You know, I, I, I think that, you know, part of what, you know, you could almost boil the mission down to we reject the premise, period. <laughs> we reject the premise that there's one way to do film. There's one way to do TV. We reject the premise that you are you are making a foolish decision by telling an authentic stories that are outside of the regular the 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 hundred year old hegemony of white storytellers. I mean, it's just we just don't agree. And and part of our mission is to show that those projects can be fun and exciting, and you know, change the conversation in culture in whatever small and sometimes bigger ways. And also, you know, a very real part of it is, you know, it's part of our job is to prove that those things can make money. Yes. Because, yeah, you know, say that yes. hard. It's about the money. Without, well, if you don't make the money, you can't sustain the mission. If you can't make money, then that means there's no one out there who's feeling that what you're doing is a value. Every ticket is somebody who, who sees some movie again or comes to your next movie is a vote of faith. Someone saying, you gave me an experience that I valued more than I value this 20 bucks. And yeah. it's a chance for that filmmaker behind you to get their project made because Hollywood is so risk averse. If it's not making money, it is shutting the door for so many people behind you. That's right. And so there's a big responsibility in that for us. I mean, you know, so, you know, it's so funny. It's like, you know, we talk about like Nia DaCosta, like, I mean, and, you know, Nia DaCosta is somebody who, if I'm being frank with you guys, I'm just happy that we got to be on the train happy that she was excited about this idea. She was going to be a big deal. And it was about, um, you know, the extent to which we could help platform her was as it was so crucial to what we're trying to do here, but it's not like we did something magical for her, you know? And I think what the end result of that was like, we came out with something that proved like, yeah, you can, you can make a, a horror movie. That's a, a sort of a counterintuitive IP reboot in 2020 or whatever year I've lost all track of time. It was 2021 and when it finally came out. 2021 when it finally came out. And, uh, and, and, 
it's everything's going to be fine. You're going to make money. It's going to be fine. I don't, you know, and so now she's making Marvel movies and, and I don't, you know, I don't, um, I don't, I don't spend a lot of time to frankly trying to figure out what's in the hearts of people who control the purse strings. I don't, I don't spend a lot of time worried about that. You know, trying to figure out, can I win you over with this notion or can you see something, but it's great when it happens, you know, it's great when you feel, and we've, we've been very lucky by the way, to work with studios and other production companies where I, we, we really have felt seen by our partners, but, but the main thing I want to prove, because the problem is with the monkey paw mission is that if we get it wrong and the movie bombs, it's a setback is now it has enforced their already crappy dogma about the way things are supposed to so if are supposed to go and so for us it's not about just that's why we're such hands-on producers that's why we do so few projects you know at, at any given time where we can really focus on them because we want them to be like winners you know we really will want to make sure that it has advanced the conversation and not given someone in some at the at the somewhere in some building in corporate somewhere some reason say like yeah, I won't try that again. You know, I, and that's my nightmare is that happening. Yeah, I think that it'd probably be important to recognize that some of the people who are going to say we shouldn't try that again are, are looking for a reason to say that. Yes. They're not comfortable with the changes for one reason or another. And, yeah. you know, they, they are going to smile in your face, but they're actually hoping, you know, if you guys went away, life would be a lot simpler. We could get right back to doing what we used to do that we liked that I feel most comfortable watching. I'm not entirely comfortable watching what you're doing here, but right. as long as it makes money, we'll keep doing it. But, yeah, the, we, but by the way, the beauty is, is that it's, it's we're you know, we're on the, I mean, we're on the right side of this. We happen to be correct. There yeah. happened to be, there is an appetite for different stories for there are there's audiences want this very badly they want to spend their money on it so it's yes. like you know for me i'm like it's it's kind of an easy as long as we don't fumble it you know then it's like something where i'm 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 happy to wake up every morning and be like okay let's i'm going to try to try to deprogram <laughs> 150 years of this again this morning starting from fr- starting from scratch and it's, uh, you know, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's been, I, I'd love everyone in, in my position. To, I don't know uh, how to phrase this, consciously, but if this sounds like the sort of thing that you might've had many, shall we say, hazy conversations back in college with Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. He's just, you don't have to answer that one. Speak um, to that. You, you uh, the rights <laughs> remain silent. No, but what. In, in terms of intentionality, though, I want to go back to that because the the intentionality shows with Monkey Paws projects. And I know that privately we have discussed between the three of us this notion of what I call the Monkey Paw method, which is something that I I, I hope a lot more production companies will embrace, which is First of all, it's storytelling from a Black perspective, Black protagonists, you know, yeah. it's storytelling that is entertaining on the surface. But if you really wanted to dig in, you can literally teach a course on it, which many people are already doing, you know, about Monkey Paws films. And third, and in some way, if not the most important, then I think just very significantly, the care in which Black People say black bodies. That sounds like a disembodied way of talking about people. But the care 
and how you portray violence against Black people, especially yeah. veering away from what gets written off as quote unquote trauma porn, which is lynching as horror. Yes, lynching is horrific, but lynching is something that my grandfather and great grandfather were threatened with. And that is not entertaining to me to watch. Horror is entertainment first, right? Yeah. So so you so would you speak to how you avoid some of the pitfalls of storytelling from a marginalized experience? Well I think look as a as a as a white cis male, you know, the thing I can do and I try to make sure that throughout monkey paw we're all doing this all the time regardless honestly of our of our race or you know gender is to seek authenticity and and i and and really what that means is if is it and particularly because horror is is in some ways about trauma right i mean it is in a, it is about that it's a processing method for that it's that it's really trying to challenge ourselves when a script comes in or when an idea comes up to say is that let put aside put aside the 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 you know the specifics of any one mechanism right of any or any one type of violence that you're depicting i think the question is is it lazy <laughs> you know and i think there is part of it where you know it's like that's just not great craft and it's not a great way if you're going to draw on horror from something that makes people dig into something sort of fundamentally hurtful or something that comes on the backs of real human beings. And in the worst cases, something that can reify the violence of our culture and contribute to more violence in the in the present. You know, I I I that morally doesn't line up for me. But I, I would, and I won't do that kind of stuff here. And of course, Jordan would never do that stuff stuff here. But I, I think that, but I think the way to approach it, right, is not about a bunch of red lines, right? Don't cross this line. You can't talk about this. You can't talk about this. You could. We kind of don't do it that way. You know, we kind of do it of like, is that the best way? I mean, for God's sake, alien. It's a it's a it's a face hugger that goes on someone's face and it injects a thing into their body and it comes out and it's like that's inventive, right? That's like using a new kind of horror to tap into things in your in your in your in your mind and bring out your imagination. And the thing that I find probably the least um the most frustrating about some of these your approaches is that there's just no imagination there. And, and that's, a, that's its own kind of, that's its own kind of sin, I think, as, in as far as there can be artistic sins. I'd like to, well put. first of all, you are definitely doing what you call spit and wisdom there. I mean, this is, yes. this is exactly what it was that we, that we wanted to hear, which is just the perspective of how the world looks from behind your eyes. You know, you don't find it remarkable because you wake up thinking, thinking this way, but I think that it is critical if we're going to change the world. And we're going to elevate the genre and and the work, then those who have been successful at it need to help share what it is that they do, what it is that they see. So that when people hear the thousand different voices saying, doing it this way, doing it this way, doing it this way, you can at least ask, you can at least say, well, the person who did it this way found their way through the woods. They found something that's, that's useful on the other side. I may not do it that way, but this is a valid opinion. So 
getting to the core of what our podcast is about, how does Wynn Rosenfeld protect himself in the middle of this? How do you, you know, getting up every day and giving it everything you have, but at the same time, at the end of the day, being able to be a husband, being able to be a father. Something in the tank. Take care of your, your physical health and, and wellness. How do you take care of the instrument that is win in body, mind, and spirit so that you can then serve in the, in the way that you have been able to serve? Well, I've started exercising. That's really helped. Sleeping is, is my sleeping is getting a little bit better. I'm, I'm trying to be more disciplined about having, you know, some boundaries. I think the cell phone is a blight on society, you know, which it didn't exist. <laughs> well, it is at and night for sure. It for is. Screen. It really is bad. I mean, it, it, so it's, it's a lot of like little pra- practical things, but so, but I, I would say like, I'm, you know, on my, and on my bad days, which are by the way, not uncommon is yeah, I'm beat. I mean, I, I come back and I'm like, did I make, how many, er- you know, I make errors every day. I mean, part sure. one of, one of the things is like, you know, is, is part of my job is, you know, I make 30, I've, I've tried to count for a while. Like how many decisions am I making every day? You know, and it's like a lot of decisions and you're kind of aiming for like 70% ones that you don't regret, you know, well, you know, you're trying to kind of get like mostly get it right and, and try to come from the right, from the right place. And I guess on the days that it's the good days is that I come back home energized. Yes. I come back kind of provoked. You know, I come back excited. I th- it makes me want to engage with my family in a different way. It makes mm. me want to share. There it, is. it makes there me want to learn. It opens me up, you know, like, a, like you know, in, in that's the best me. But it's also when it's not like that, it's the worst me. Because, you know, I'm, I'm as, as susceptible to feeling like crap sometimes, you know, and you do come home sometimes and you're like, wow, what a waste of time or God, did I let that person down or how did I let myself down? Is that not what, you know, and, and I think it's, it's just trying to take one day at a time. And, and hopefully as I get wiser and older, you know, I, I'm able to apply meaningful context to that and try to wake up the next morning and kind of integrate those failures into something that can be positive the next day. And, and, and I, I am hearing I some very specific things here that I wanted to touch on very, very quickly. You have a long-term goal, which is the transformation of the industry and the world by creating images that have not been created before and successful images, entertaining images, you know, profitable images, but also to stay sane, to wake up every morning seeing how this day is Gratitude. part of the context of a larger life that your child that you are raising is your greatest performance, your greatest art form is the collaborative creature, the little human being that you are that you are creating and that you partially measure the success of your days and whether or not you come home energized to be a good daddy. See, to me, that says that your values, you've got your head on straight about your values and you're shepherding a multi-million dollar corporation and keeping the small things like your health, your sanity, your family at the core. And you're actually using it to measure your success as a human being. 
respect, mad respect for that. Oh, I no, love that's it. great. And and if nothing else, Hollywood is full of examples of how not to do it. So hundred oh, percent, you know, so un- unfortunately there are too many people who burn up in the light and it's, it's our responsibility as artists not to be those people. <laughs> I, I, I agree. I mean, Jordan is another, this is another thing he's a master at. I mean, you know, it's like, you know, that what's the, I can't remember the expression about, it, but you know, it's like hold, hold things closely, but not tightly or whatever. I can't remember what mm-hmm. the thing is, but it's like, I mean, I think there's like a real lesson in that, you know, it's like, there is a, you know, it's art is so weird because it's both, it's simultaneously really important and not important at all. <laughs> And it's almost because it's not important is why it's so important. Yes. And it's important because it's not important. And it's a very paradoxical thing that we do here, you know, and I think it's like being able to really keep perspective, you know, be able to understand you can't do it well if you're gripping it too tightly, you know, you can't, it can't be good like that. And, and, but you can never stop caring about it and, and you, and it needs love and it needs nurturing and on the the you know the the capo here, whew, a master of that, a master. You know, um, glad to hear it. Glad our common it. pattern is to let people go a little bit early while they still have more things to say, so that maybe we can get them back on the show again later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, are we out of time? I didn't even realize. Wow, that went really fast. I'm well. I, we, no, we're we, not we, out. You, but you can we stick want to around, time. but we wanted to talk about the the product that we do. And then if something sparks that you want to say, we'll circle back around. If you want to, you want to hang on for about two minutes, we, you know, we can circle back. But we are, whatever you guys like it. Oh, great. With the gold, with the gold one. Thank you so much for all of your insights. And we really want you to win. We want you to win. We want monkey pot to win. We want Jordan to win. So everything you said, you know, that you are going to do that. Every time we do one of these talks, hearing the perspective of another person on the path, whether they are not as experienced as we are or whether they're far more experienced and successful, it kind of defines the path, what it is that you need to do. There is the, you know, the, the finding of the mentors and the you know, chop wood, carry water every day and finding ways to be more honest and dealing with fear and disappointment. These things are so central and they're not often taught in writing programs. So yeah. when we created the Life Writing Premium Program, it was the idea was to take everything that we have learned and ask myself the question, when I was 16 years old, what do I wish to God somebody had said to me about the path I was about to walk? What If I could send a message in a bottle back to that kid so that he would have a healthier life, a better life, a more successful writing career, you know, to tell him to to not be afraid of expressing his heart, to know how to deal with the disappointment and understand it's just a part of the process. You know, what are some of the most important things to you that you wanted, that you would want to tell your younger self? Because I know that we put that in our program. Well, I, I think, yeah, some of it is absolutely in the program and it has to do with persistence. And it's particularly important for people who want to break into screenwriting, okay? Because no, all creative advancement is not merit-based. And I think screenwriting is a little less merit-based than prose writing, just because it's so much more competitive, so much more difficult to get in. And there's so many unknown factors that are dictating whether you can get over that line. Yeah, the unknown unknowns are what kill you. 
the yeah. stuff that you don't know that you didn't even know was an area that you needed to know about. So, right. So I think it's the persistence piece, the advice I got from my high school teacher, Mrs. Estever, shout out, although I don't think she's with us anymore, that if you want to be a writer, you have to wallpaper your wall with rejection slips, getting that thick skin, learning how not to take it personally, while at the same time not becoming better. Now, that is a tightrope walk, okay? That is probably the most important thing next to preparation. There's no substitute for preparation, which is to do a lot of reading, either of books, short stories, scripts, a lot of reading. That is your preparation. Courses almost secondarily to that, frankly. Those two things, persistence and preparation. You know, what we've done is we've created a course that uh, one month at a time, you get one lesson every week with writing prompts and techniques and and tools and stories about how these things have been utilized in the real world by us and by other people. You know, it's the wisdom that we've gotten from every wonderful writer who stopped and took mercy on us and said, you know, try this. And Life Writing Premium is one of our flagship programs. You can check it out at www.lifewritingpremium.com. And we would love to help you get your first publication. We're all about that. And by the way, it's not just for beginning writers. You might already have an MFA, but sometimes what they don't teach you in an MFA program is how to keep practicing your art when life happens <laughs> and when right. you get caught oh up God. in your job and your family. Life is what happens while you're making other plants. Right. So the, the weekly prompts are super helpful to remind you who you are yeah. and what your, what your own mission is that you set out for yourself. And so, yeah, like Steve said, check out www.lifewritingpremium.com. So, I want to thank our incredible guest. And I'd like to, I have one more, one more question since oh, he's calm down, calm down. sticking around. What is the question nobody ever asks you that you wish they would? Oh, shoot. Oh, boy. That's a good one. Is that my natural hair color? The answer is yes. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't know. I don't know. But I do want to say something. Just just 10, you know, you're talking about 10 years of monkey paw. um, And I realize this is maybe uncouth on your show. But just to say, I am very honored to have built a relationship with pioneers like yourselves and that you guys have been creating and telling stories in long, long before I have at in in all kinds of places and all kinds of mediums. And and you guys don't seem you don't you, you you seem to attack every day, every project like you just started. You Man, just we love it. There. Somebody and, and, and that's, that's that's huge. And and I think it is it really it, it is not overstating it to say, yes, it is a, a important for, for monkey paw to be trying to pull people up and, and trying to make avenues. But you guys have done that already. And you, you we're, we're here because of you. Oh, my <laughs> and God. So, and so you're going to make us. Well, it's, it's really, no, but it's really it's really true. And oh, you got to. <laughs> we came to play (laughs) you guys got drops so it's 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 been well it's a remarkable that you guys found each other um god it it really is individually and and as a a team i i hope you guys realize how how marvelous you are and 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 that if you're if you're if you're and i'm glad by the way that you guys are making a course I I really, really am. I mean, it's like there's so much, so many hucksters in the world and you guys have like literally been doing it and know how to do it and are living it 
every day. You, you that's what we're here talking about the art of. We love this. We we, we love the arts. We love mm-hmm. artists. We feel that that storytelling is a sacred obligation. I believe that there are ways that storytelling created human consciousness. Just, yeah. just trying to make sense of that chaos, and it is the greatest honor of my life that I've been able to actually make my way in the world doing the thing that I wanted to do when I was a little boy. I mean, that little kid. Yeah. Oh, we're all going to be crying now. Like, oh, no. Every, get me started. Every, it's, it gets, it's hard sometimes. Yeah. And it's painful, and, you know, and it's, it wears on you. But to actually be able to spend as much of my life as I have doing this thing I love so much. Is a there a and, and Yes, and with – Finding Tanana Reef. And to be honest with you right back, to be able to hang out virtually with people like you and you specifically, just to talk about life and art and work means the world to me. You, can't, you have to earn your way into the circle of people like you and Tanana Reef. You can't buy your way into that circle. You know, and it's you know where you are in life partially by the people you surround yourself with. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's really thank well you, said. Thank you so much, Wynn, for those thank kind you words guys. and the sentiment behind it. We're so happy that you did the podcast. And congratulations on 10 years. Thank you. Thank you. And congratulations to you guys. And let's do it again soon. We'll yes, we will do that. Soon. And be well. And, you know, say hi to all the people who matter. And, and be well, my friends. <laughs> well. All right, everybody. <laughs> and screw the ones who don't. <laughs> Go on and uh, make yourself the hero or heroine of your own story. That's right. Be the hero in the adventure of your lifetime. Bye-bye, everybody. You've been listening to the Life Writing Podcast. Join us next time for more conversations about creating the project of your dreams. For more information, go to lifewritingpremium.com and get ready to write for your life.